Come down to the little garden with me Come go with me Come go and see Though I howl across fields and my eyes turn gray Are yours still the same? Are you still the same? Carry home I have returned Through so many highways And so many tears You let it never survive the heat of my hand My burning hand Plague Diaries Episode Infinity That was Gun Club with Carrie Home It's a record uh, called Miami that's on And um, yeah uh, Gun Club was one of those bands that I got into because I read somewhere in one of Henry Rollins' journals that he was a fan of that band. Gun Club and The Birthday Party were two bands that I would have never really appreciated had I not found out about them by reading Henry Rollins' journals that he published on 213.61. Also, Beasts of Bourbon, another great band that uh, I got turned on to by reading that stuff. So anyway, uh, Gun Club, I remember finding one of their CDs in the used bin at Trash American Style. And uh, for anyone out there who's been listening to this podcast for, I don't know, the last uh, 20 or 30 years that it seems like I've been doing this thing, I've had Malcolm on a couple times, actually. And uh, he was the guy who owned that shop along with his uh now ex-wife the shop was located in danbury connecticut and uh it was like my viewport into the world of independent music and free thought it was a lot of people talk about that i mean danbury connecticut is halfway between boston and new york city and a lot of bands know about that spot there's a club or there was a club Now, the club is uh, being too kind, I guess. There's a place called the Anthrax Club, which was a DIY venue that a lot of bands would play at, um, you know, in the late 80s. And, um, yeah, Connecticut had, like, its importance in the early DIY scene. Anyway, Trash American Style, you'd go in there, it would smell like incense and there would be uh, behind the counter you could see there was all these like supplements and stuff like that and Malcolm was this real far out sort of guy that knew a little bit about everything and um, I mean what I, I don't know why I'm going into this just go back and listen to the episodes there's two interviews with him he's an intensely interesting guy talented and uh, definitely worth checking out but one day I walked into his record shop, going through the CDs, used CDs, and I found a Las Vegas story by Gun Club. And I remember Rollins was really big into this band. And I'd never heard of them before. So I bought that record, took it home. And I didn't really like it at first because it wasn't what I expected. I thought it was going to be this, like, you know, Black Flag esque exploration into. Uh, violent darkness but as time went on i started really getting into the band and as the years went by i became uh, pretty obsessive about 
the band itself and also Jeffrey Lee Pierce, the late Jeffrey Lee Pierce, uh, the vocalist and founder of the band. And, um, and yeah, just, uh, that song, that song has been a very, uh, one of my favorite tracks. And, um, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, Jeffrey Lee has a book that he published on Rollins's, uh, I get, I don't know if he, if this, his book publishing company is really doing other authors anymore. I know that they, that it primarily focuses on his output, but, uh, Jeffrey Lee had a book that came out and is now out of print along with a lot of the other titles that Rollins released throughout the nineties. And, uh, you can find this book online. It's kind of expensive these days. Uh, but I have a copy of it and, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool book. It's, uh, a collection of lyrics, anecdotes. And at the very end, there's like a novella that he wrote, um, you know, very Bukowski-esque, uh, you can imagine that it was semi-autobiographical, similar to most of Bukowski's work. And uh, the book is called Go Tell the Mountain. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you could find it. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to do a quick look here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I take back what I said about it being expensive. Now you can, man, there's a copy on eBay right now for $21.95. Damn. How times have changed. I remember back when I was looking for, I think I paid, I had to have paid over $200 for this book, man. It was something that I'd wanted for a long time. I know it sounds crazy, right? To pay 200 bucks for a book, but that's just the kind of guy I am. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a single, a single man, no children, no real responsibilities, but to myself. So for me to go out there and spend $200 on a book uh, an out-of-print book by an obscure artist named Jeffrey Lee Pierce. No, no one's suffering from that. I don't have any kid who's not going without new clothes or food or anything. And, you know, I'm paying all my bills. I don't owe any, well, I have, I have some debts, but nothing crazy. And um, so, yeah, I went out and I bought this book. But now, damn, you can get it for $21.95 on eBay. Go figure. So yeah, even more so now, I urge anyone out there who is at least intrigued by this to go out there and buy this book on eBay and read it and uh, check out The Gun Club. It's a band that I really hope stays within the consciousness of independent music because, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're important. I feel like Jeffrey Lee was important. He was uh, one of the great American songwriters, in my opinion, and um, I think He's as important as like Roy Orbison and Johnny Cash, you know, and, and um, yeah, there's, there's very little information out there. So this is a very good book to read if you're interested. And uh, apparently this book, I learned this through um, my interview with Keith Morris several years ago. Apparently this book, uh, his, Jeffrey Lee's family was looking to subvert this book and kind of um, put the... Uh, lockdown on Rollins re repressing this. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's a little bit of the backstory of this whole thing. But yeah, back in the 90s, Rollins had a pretty uh, prolific and ambitious release schedule of other off authors. But, uh, you know, similar to 
a lot of things in the 90s. I guess they're uh, like the idea was there that my, my sense is that some of the authors didn't sell well, like, you know, Don Bima and, um, you know, all these people out there that were releasing books. And back then, people still read and still bought tactile items. And I imagine as time went on, um, just the return on that wasn't really equaling out. And nowadays, like, I, you know, I mean, I still read books. I still buy tons of books all the time. But I think that a lot of people are into the digital experience more so than holding a tactile book in their hands. So it's probably even harder these days. But I, I got the sense that Rollins believed that just through sheer will and hard work, he would be able to overcome the indifference of a more and more illiterate public and uh, somehow force people to buy these books. Anyway, I have most of them. I've read most of them. I, uh, some of them I like better than others, but most of them are pretty cool. And um, yeah, I don't know, a little diversion. Today was, today's Sunday. And um, unlike the other podcasts I do, this podcast is released the day that I record it. So if any of you follow me on Instagram, you might have noticed that today is Introspective Sunday, which means that I was listening to Rollins Band Lifetime. And maybe that's why I'm kind of fixated and my mind is wandering through the backlog of um, Henry Rollins's output and the periphery of other artists and creative endeavors that surround him. And I've always associated Jeffrey Lee Pierce and Gun Club with Rollins because that's how I discovered them and he re the release of uh, Go Tell the Mountain. So there you have it. I just um, finished editing a um, episode, a forthcoming episode for Metal Matters, the Gimme Metal weekly show that I host and produce. And uh, the band Circuits of Powers, uh, seminal record Vices, Vices, was the focus of the episode. It was a classic records episode I did with Randy Larson. Um, mostly Randy is the co-host on those. Lately, Jay Bennett has been co-hosting some of the other more appropriate episodes, such as the series on ACDC. Uh, we covered uh, Back in Black and Hell's Bells and the Van Halen series of the debut Van Halen record and Fair Warning. So Jay is more uh, knowledgeable about those types of things. But Randy recommended that we do vices by circus power and i was like damn i didn't think anyone really knew about them besides uh the two of us um i remember they had a back in 2017 circus power had a a new record that came out and when randy was playing in tombs we would travel down to new jersey together and i remember listening to the record and and there, there was a couple of good tracks on there you know just like some rock and roll i was just surprised to, to learn that they were active um, so as a result of Randy's recommendation that we do this record, I decided that there's so little information about the band out there because, you know, for all intents and purposes, despite the fact that they were on a major label, they were um, a pretty obscure band. So I decided to do a little detective work and I was able to contact Al Mitchell, their singer. 
and uh, I reached out to him through the Circus of Power Facebook page. And uh, I believe it to be the guy who runs the label that puts out their records responded to me and connected me with Al. And we did an uh, interview over the phone uh, a couple weeks ago. And I learned a lot about the band and I was able, I'm able to use a lot of that dialogue as um, inserts into the episode that Randy and I did. So it was pretty cool. It took, it took, uh, it took a while. I spent a little bit more time than I wanted to, but I also wanted to make sure I did a good job on editing it. And uh, I, now that I know what it, what it takes to make an episode like that, I'll uh, schedule a little bit more time into my, into my day for an undertaking like that. But yeah, it just got me thinking, put me in that mindset, you know, being Sunday and all. Sunday being one of those days, uh, the last day of the weekend before you go back to your job. And I don't know about y'all. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say that I hate my job, but it doesn't give me the satisfaction that I really want out of life. And I've had, um, it's my job has been like a black hole. Um, you know, when black holes are so dense and the gravity so intense that light cannot escape the clutches of the black hole. So my job is such that I cannot build up enough momentum, it seems like, to escape the darkness of the black hole of my job. And, you know, we can tell we're going to talk about this, about decisions, decision making and mistakes and the trajectory of one's life. That's going to be discussed after I talk about Circus of Power. So anyway, where, where was I? Circus of Power. Yeah. Took a while to edit the episode. Really cool. Uh, put me in a very strange mindset, very nostalgic, as one is wont to do during these troubling times we're experiencing. And um, I think that the entire, ep- entire interview I did with Al, I believe that I'm going to release that on this podcast as a supplement to the Metal Matters episode, which is coming out not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. The Circus of Power episode will be out. So that's going to go up. There's going to be excerpts of Al's interview. And then later that week, I'm going to put up the entire um, interview I did with Al. And he's a cool guy and interesting dude. Uh, has like some really cool ideas. And I had a really, really great time talking to him. And, and like I hope that we can stay in touch because uh, I, I think I'd like to... Uh, you know, be up to date on what's going on with the band. Also, Al wrote his own book. There's a book called Carol that I ordered, and I haven't received it yet. But if you find Al Mitchell on Facebook, uh, you can, you know, become his friend on Facebook, and you can learn about how to order his book, Carol. And one, one of the things I dug about Circus of Power is their, their lyrics. And I, there's something about, before I even spoke to him, I, I thought that he might be the kind of guy that would write and would be doing something along the lines of short stories and narratives because a lot of the lyrics that they do that he's written have this kind of a narrated sort of storytelling vibe to it. So I, I almost expected him to tell me that he had a book. So 
lo and behold, he does. And uh, yeah, Circus of Power. I found out about them back in like 1990, uh, watching Headbangers Ball. The the video for Vice is played, and uh, you know, kind of played right into the kind of stuff I was listening to at the time, uh, the Cult, um, Danzig, like that sort of thing. And um, you know, it, it was blues rock. Blues-based hard, not blues rock, but hard rock with a heavy blues vibe to it. And you, if you remember a few years ago, prior to 1990, um, I, I didn't like, I, I, you know, I, I missed the whole hair metal thing. That was something I just wasn't into at the time it came out. I remember being a young kid and hearing Motley Crue, and it was the Shout at the Devil song was on the radio. And I have very specific memories of being at my grandmother's house and having like my little blaster, my little boombox, and hanging out upstairs, which was like uh, there was like a pseudo living room on the second floor of the house, which had a record player. And my cousin used to live there and, and she had her records and I was able to listen to her stereo and all that kind of stuff. So I was up there listening to, to music and uh you know rock and roll radio like i think it was i-95 out of connecticut and uh shout at the devil um or the i'm sorry not shout at the devil but the single looks that kill came on and this is right around the time that i discovered punk rock and the bad brains and black flag and the chromags and also like kind of extreme metal uh metallica venom like all that stuff was uh percolating and I remember hearing looks that kill and even as a young person I was like wow I'm like a maybe a year too old to like this song I was thinking about how if I'd heard this maybe when I was 12 instead of 13 that I probably would have been into it you know but so uh (laughs) so I was never a big fan of that style of music all through high school you know, people were into it. You know, a lot of girls. I was associated a lot of those bands with with chicks, and uh, most of the most of the people, the the guys that I knew, weren't into that kind of stuff. You know, Metallica, Slayer, that that kind of stuff was like happening. And you know, I was into. In addition to that, I was into stuff like uh, you know X. You know, the Chromags had started to become part of the the oeuvre if you will. And I spent a lot of time also, one summer I remember specifically, spending some time at this place called Rosemary's Texas Taco, which was on the border of Connecticut, and I'm not sure what town it was in. It was uh, Putt Valley, maybe, Brewster, something like that, Putnam Lake. I don't know, one of, the, one of these like small-ass towns near where I grew up on the Connecticut border close to Danbury. And, um, that was the hangout that one summer with me and my friends. And we were all into punk rock music together. And even in that world of outsiders, I was a bit of the outsider because they were all friends for a long time. And, and, um, I entered that group because one of them ended up playing bass in this high school band that I had. And then they all realized that, oh, Mike, Mike's uh, 
not a knuckleheaded, meat-headed jock. He's actually pretty cool, and we're going to let him into our group of, uh, our elite group of punk rock people. And that's when I started, uh, you know, learning more about music and, you know, hanging out with people who were into the same kind of stuff that I was into and, uh, you know, gave me access to the very, very short list of cool girls that I knew and admired and uh, really began to appreciate, um, you know, women not as objects of lust, but as free-thinking, intelligent, creative creatures that have a completely different point of view than the possibly simian desires and needs and perspectives that I brought to the table. So that was like a very important summer for me. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, that's when uh, we had a guy there. He was a little bit older than us, and he would uh, he was going down to CBs, and he knew about all these bands. And that's when I found out about the Chromags at Agnostic Front. And uh, I remember Warzone was a band that was being discussed. And then about maybe five or six miles down the street, you would go to you can go to cra- uh, the Trash American Style and buy all these records. So. That was kind of the trajectory I was on. And um, yeah, Rosemary's Texas Taco was a cool place. Not really the best uh, Mexican food that I've had in my life, but it was the only Mexican food that I'd had at that age. And the lady who ran it, Rosemary, she was an older gal. Um, Now, just for any of you out there who give a shit, the town I grew up in was a small town. I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up like about, I don't know, a good 50 miles north of New York City, past Westchester County, in a small county called Putnam County, in a small town called Carmel, or Carmel. I call it Carmel. Some people call it Carmel. The locals call it Carmel. And um, I guess the only reason it wasn't a complete redneck town is because there was a metro north nearby and most of the people commuted into new york city um you know and and they weren't these savages that were were not that had had no idea about the outside world had there not been uh metro north there who knows how the place could have turned into so so anyway um rosemary of rosemary's texas taco I believe she was from Texas, maybe. I never really confirmed that. Uh, she was a bit older than everyone, which means that she was probably about 30. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe she was only 25. But I remember at, at that age I was at, she seemed like a full-on woman, man, like a, a, a lady, you know? Um, you know, this is the 80s. So she had a red mohawk, uh, intense eyeliner, um cowboy boots you know and the the place was had like a dinosaur and there was like everything was like painted in pastels and uh it definitely did not blend in with the surrounding environment and um a lot a lot of you know so as a result a lot of kids that were into like alternative culture ended up congregating there and um so that's where i started hanging out with these people 
talking about music. And I remember specifically sitting at um, a table and this dude named Jim, who, like, as I mentioned earlier, was uh, going down into the city and the big bad city in the 80s and discovering things. And he's the one that was telling me about, um, you know, the Chromags and, and all these bands. And there was another kid, Evan. And it's funny, this kind of goes full circle. Evan and it was, an, really, it was a great artist. And he was friends with another f- artist friend that I had named Randy. And not, not the same Randy that I do the Metal Matters show with, but a different Randy. And Evan ended up doing the artwork for the first Leeway record, Born to Expire. And decades later, when I spoke to Eddie Sutton about that, I mentioned that I knew Evan. And he was like, oh, I, wow, man, I haven't talked to that guy in, in, for, for forever. So, I mean, this is, this is like the group of people that were influencing me at that point and um yeah it was, it was cool and um yeah that that's what put me on to all this lifestyle shit and you know put me into this uh mindset of being a free thinker and, and everything but sunday introspective sunday I find myself pondering the cyclical nature of life and how, once again, I'm living alone with my cat. And that is not a bad thing, but life could have gone a number of different ways. And I think that currently, the level of dissatisfaction I have is something that needs to be considered and traced back to key moments and decision making. And, you know, you can't change the past, but you can also make sure you don't make the same, the same mistakes over and over again, which is uh, something I find myself doing from time to time. And, um, yeah, Sunday's always an odd day. Um, the job that I have is uh, I, I think that honestly, this stage of the game, it's incredible. It's incredibly stressful right now. But I have like another week to make make it through all this, and uh, and then I have a few days off, and then it's back to the stress. But there's been a lot of mistakes being made, and a lot of unusual things have been happening, and I think that that can all be attributed to just the mental and emotional exhaustion that everyone seems to be going through um, as a result of having to modify our lives as a result of this pandemic and just the changes and the lack of connection. And, you know, you don't see anyone anymore. You're just sitting here at your desk by yourself. Uh, You know, we're utilizing uh, Microsoft teams, which is kind of a bummer, but, you know, it's, it's better than, I guess, not having a job. But, uh, but yeah, the mental exhaustion. And I think that is uh, taking a real toll on everybody because there, there doesn't appear to be any real end in sight right now. I mean, I know that New York is uh, record lows, you know. And I got to be honest, man. Speaking of mental exhaustion, 
I have become so mentally exhausted that I stop paying attention to the rest of the country and how they're doing. And just literally looking at my own life and my own day to day and figuring out the best way for me to feel good. And um, I haven't even been uh, that update uh, up to date on uh, the, the Democratic Party. And I mean, I know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are running together and all that jazz. I know I registered the vote here in the state of New Jersey. Um, you know, they have the mail in vote. I, I'm going to take full advantage of all that stuff. And um, I'm, I'm, though I'm not jazzed up about Joe Biden as president, uh, I, I acknowledge that I have to vote for him <laughs> because I just, we just can't go on with having Donald Trump uh, humiliating this country and dragging it back decades, hundreds of years into the past. Um, I mean, this is a joke, but uh, if Donald Trump continued to be president, I feel like he would probably try to bring slavery back. And uh, obviously that's a joke, um, but that's my feelings. You know, we live in this absurd science fiction novel right now, and I just really would like to find a way out of this stuff. But uh, so, I mean, with all that said, I got just before I did this podcast, I took a walk through town and I got a nice coffee and I was outside reading for a while. And yeah, just I'm not sure if it's so great outside there. I think it might be better here in my house. I don't know. Um, I was like, yeah, it'd be good to get out of the house today, but I don't know if it's any better out there. I read it. It's just a, it's all often like a reminder of the things that are missing sometimes, you know, like I live five minutes, if that walk into the center of town and, uh, you know, there's restaurants and there's like a thing, an Irish bar where you can get a beer if you want and you can sit outside and all these things. And, uh, you know, a lot, and you look in. And there's no one sitting inside. And, you know, we're, we're in August right now, the end of the very end of August, and we're going to be moving into fall. And I'm not sure how long it's going to be where people are going to want to sit outside. I mean, for me, I love sitting outside in the cold. I think it's great. But I think that, you know, everyone's we're, we're on thin ice, man. You know, it's like I think everyone figured by now, by the fall, that there would be some answer to these questions and that. If you're a restaurant owner and you're like, oh, yeah, summertime, we're going to have people eat outside. What about November and December, man? It's like, who's going to sit outside when it's like 10 degrees out, you know? And and there's no way of, of even speculating as to what it's going to be like in December at this time, you know, with this whole virus and pandemic and all this jazz. So who knows? So for me, walking around, you know, people wearing masks, I'm wearing a mask, um, you know, everyone's sitting outside, there's like social distancing, there's signs everywhere telling you to stay away from people. It, if I find it a little depressing, so I ended up coming back inside and I'm just chilling here by myself, you know, and uh, I have to admit, for someone who likes to spend a lot of time by themselves and generally um, doesn't like to be around crowds, I find this whole thing very lonely, you know. And it's even, I, I interviewed Mike Williams for Metal Matters about a month and a half ago. And even Mike was talking about how he just misses seeing people. And, you know, the, you know he's similar to me. Like, we're, we don't like to be around people. We like our privacy. We don't like, you know, that kind of thing. But there, there's, an, there's an extremity to the situation, which I think is, is uh, 
speaking to our nature as humans, you know, and we all understand that humans are a pack animal and we need to be in groups. And uh, yeah, the Zoom thing, all that kind of like virtual hangouts is, I, I, I'm just not, I'm not into that, you know, like I know that people, I, that I'd rather not do that than do it. I'd rather be alone than have this simulation of being with people, you know? And also I can't stop looking at myself in the corner. You know, I, I always notice how fucking old I'm getting and gray and like how, I'm like, man, am I, am I getting, do I have a double chin? You know, all that kind of stuff, you know? So that's the other thing I hate about zoom. So anyway, but yeah, uh, my favorite time of year is impending. And, um, that's a real drag because I was hoping that Halloween would be real. And, uh, I mean, all those things I love about Halloween are, are probably not going to happen. You know, Salem Horror Festival, like that's still on the books, but I, it's not going to, I doubt that's going to be anything this year. Uh, and I was, you know, last year when I went, I was thinking about going this year. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should take the whole week off from work. Go up there and spend the whole week just like checking out horror stuff, you know, and doing all this cool stuff but that's not gonna happen i gotta figure out another way and most likely i'll be by myself me and me and loki my cat holding it down alone you know maybe watching night of the living dead or some other classics and uh and that's about it maybe have like a you know some pumpkin pie or something like that but um it's gonna be a different type of halloween celebration or Samhain as uh as people as a certain select group of people like to refer to that season as Samhain. Um, anyway, we had our uh, first or one of our first full-on uh, band practices yesterday. Uh, and look, if you listen to this show, you know that there's a new Tombs record coming out this fall. And I don't know if Season of Mist has announced it yet. Uh, I don't really care anymore. Um, if you guys are listening to this, I mean, I, and I, I stopped checking to see how many people actually download this show. I stopped that a long time ago. <laughs> and so if you're out there, there might be five or six of you. And uh, if you're into this thing, you know that uh, my band Tombs is like my life, really. And um, I'm going to do the band probably until my last breath is drawn. Uh, so... I feel comfortable telling you guys that we have a brand new record coming out in in uh, November, November twentieth to be exact, and uh, it's called "Under Sullen Skies." Um, <laughs> so yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just spoiled it, so um, whatever. I don't care anymore these days. Um, yeah, it's funny. Friday, I spoke to. Uh, I'm not going to name any names because once again, I don't know how comfortable people are, but a good friend who was hired, he's a journalist and he was hired by season of mist to speak to me about updating our bio for the new record. So, uh, I was training Muay Thai Friday and, um, I did a 4 PM, a four to five. Then I had a, I took a break and then I did a five to eight, a six to eight rather. So in that break period, I talked to my, my, uh, my journalist friend and he asked me a bunch of questions about the record. And I thought the whole, the whole thing just seemed so like surreal to me talking about 
this record with no tour, no tours or nothing. And the whole thing is just like, I just wanted to be like, hey, man, like, let, I know, I know we're trying to do our best here, but like, is this really fucking necessary, man? Like, you press and, you know, I mean, I get it that everyone wants to sell records and all that, but does anyone really fucking care about all this shit? You know, I, I mean, once again, like years ago, I gave up my uh, rock and roll fantasy of, you know, hey, man, this record, you know, this could be the break that we're going to, we might break, this might be our breakout record, man. You know, that's, I know that shit. If, if it was going to happen, it would have happened 20 years ago, man. Like, I, you know, I, I know that, that um, I'm doing this because I love it and it brings me satisfaction and there's people out there that might like the record and that's cool. But, I, you know, with, with the world being the way it is and the, the, the fact that we can't go out and support this on the record, you know, that we can't go out and support this on the road rather, does it really matter? You know, these press releases and all this stuff. So anyway, I, I answered this guy's questions and we talked about the, you know, hey, man, what does this mean and what does that mean and like this and that. And, you know, I hope I hope um, I hope it, it, he did. his I hope it made a difference to him that I answered his questions because it didn't make any difference to me. Um, anyway, so you might wonder why we're practicing uh, so much because there's no tours and because there's no tours we're going to be filming a um like a live set of us performing in this space down in south jersey and uh you know there's going to be no audience there but uh we're going to try to make something that um that is going to stand the test of time that isn't going to be just one of these like pandemic videos where um I mean, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate anyone's efforts here, but it's just not for me to have someone come down to our practice space and, or us to film some practice on our, our phones and put it out there. And, you know, like consistent with what I said earlier, uh, I know that there's not like some demand for us to do things like that. And if we're going to do it, for the few people out there that want to see it, I want them to get something out of it. You know, I want them to um, to have an experience instead of just seeing the four guys in a practice room in, in Jersey uh, playing their songs without having any kind of like professional sound system or anything like that going on. So what we're going to do is, you know, um, put a little budget together. We got like some multiple camera angles we got some professional editing uh we got some imagery we're going to have some legit lighting and we're going to try to make a 30 minute presentation of the newer the new material and maybe a couple old jams thrown in there for good measure and uh my hopes is that because we can't go out to your town and see you in the flesh this is a simulation a uh shadow of what you would be experiencing if things were different and we were able to come to you so uh we're going to put this out and you know hopefully you guys enjoy it hopefully it turns out well and um 
So yeah, keep your eyes out for that. I think it'll probably surface sometime in the middle or latter part of October. I mean, if it was up to me, we should we should put it out on Halloween. Maybe that's like the move, you know? I mean, there's a lot of stuff like werewolves and vampires and all that good stuff is going to be on the record, so we might as well put it out on Halloween, right? There's a lot of dark topics and things like that being discussed on the record, so maybe that's the right time is 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 sound win to, to release this thing. I'll talk to my people. I'll see what they can do. But the other thing I wanted to do is like a lot of these like pandemic videos that are out there. Like all right, assume that a year from now we're 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 able, we're back out in the world. You know what I mean? Like something happens. Like we our immune systems uh you know click in the uh the virus weakens which is which is ultimately what's going to happen you know there's treatments um you know there's there's uh you know some kind of vaccine maybe or or at the very least some kind of treatment that's going to happen for everyone and we're able to put this all behind us and 2020 becomes oh yeah man that fucking year where we were stuck inside there was no shows you know, everyone got fat and fucking hung out by themselves and some people died and there's people lost their jobs and, you know, there was like all this like social and civil unrest and it was just a bad time for everybody, man. That was 2020. So the last thing I want to do is put out a document of that time period uh, that people will be able to identify as coming out during the pandemic year. And get bummed out when they see it, you know? It's like someone's going to see one of these videos of some band jamming in their practice space and be like, oh, yeah, man, I remember that was a bad time for me, man. That was, you know, my, my, my grandmother passed away and, like, I lost my job and um, I put on 30 pounds and whatever and all this stuff. And, you know, so I, I wanted to create something that would be able to be enjoyed after all this, you know, and and – like I said, maybe, who knows, I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Maybe there'll be more material that we can utilize somehow and present it in a cool way. And maybe, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to professionally track this thing too. I mean, not only is the picture going to be pro, but the sound is going to be pro. And I've drafted a, um, uh, one of my friends, a good friend of mine who has actually produced one of our uh, records uh, to mix this thing so that it sounds good. So it's not just like some crappy shot recording in a practice space. And um, yeah, I just want, I want things to be quality, man. I mean, regardless if you like the music, I at least want there to be an effort put in to make this thing it, it, the best possible thing it could be. So, so yeah, that's why we, we've been rehearsing. Um. What's kind of interesting is like normally when you're in a band and you have a bunch of new material, you introduce the new material into the set, maybe a couple songs at a time. You might learn one or two songs, you add it to the set, and then you play all the old stuff, and then there's a couple, oh yeah, those guys played a couple of new songs. But this time around, we're, we're learning most pretty much the entire album, and we're going to try to pull, pull off most of the songs live. So there's a lot of pressure, you know? And, um, yeah, so I don't know. It's a lot of my time has been spent towards that. Anyway, 
I think I've taken up uh, enough of your time. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Um, once again, Metal Matters every Tuesday. Uh, check out this. This Tuesday is uh, Evan Patterson. Um, not, you know, a, a good friend, but definitely not someone who operates in the extreme metal world. But uh, his, his band, JGL, is like amazing. And if you're into like dark, moody music, check it out. And Evan has been a friend of mine for over 20 years and uh, closer to 25 years, actually. And, and uh, I've, I've long admired his creative abilities, and he's a cool guy. It's Ryan Patterson's brother. And, you know, Ryan Patterson is like another one of my favorite all time people. So um, check out Evan's uh, episode with me on Metal Matters. Um, the show comes out every Tuesday. Next Tuesday is the Circus of Power episode. And then every Thursday, we have Necromaniacs, which is a horror podcast. Uh, I do that with my longtime friend, Mike Scandato. And recently, Je Jeff Kashid has joined our, the ranks of the Necromaniacs Legion. And he is our, uh, we have three of us now that do weekly shows. We talk about some of our favorite movies, uh, old movies, new movies, uh, tangents about directors, some of our favorite streaming shows. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's happening as well. And um, yeah, I don't know. I hope you guys find your way through the night with some of these things. And um, I'm here, locked down, keeping it real. And to take you guys out, uh, I'm going to play a Circus of Power song. It's called In the Wind. It's off their first record, self-titled Circus of Power. Um, it's my favorite track on the record. And I kind of go into this a little bit in the episode about, you know, I mentioned the cult earlier. And some, at some point in the 80s, there was uh, all those bands, these like post-punk bands that were wearing Paisley. It seems like maybe it was the release of the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction record, but suddenly all these bands decided that they wanted to play like hard rock, heavy metal music. And uh, no more Paisley. Uh, they, they're like no shirts, uh, leather pants, cowboy boots, leather jackets, sunglasses, long hair. Some of them got like tattoos, you know. They started playing Les Pauls and like ripping like pentatonic blues solos and uh you know of course i'm talking about cult electric and then it just went on they just took that and kept run running with it along with uh sonic temple which is probably the that's like the last cult record i've been able to actually listen to uh my favorite cult record is actually love the 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 goth rock record you know electric's cool but i think they were their best on love and we've had this discussion many times in the past uh there there's older episodes of this podcast where we talk about it and all this sort of business but uh but yeah uh the reason why i bring that up is i think this song um maybe mis like as a mistake i don't know maybe maybe I, I know that circus of power were coming from a hard rock place guys who are into punk uh you know they were a Maybe guys like me who liked hard rock and heavy metal, like punk, just dark shit. And they made this record and this song to me 
sounds a little bit like some of those uh, post-punk bands that were toughening up their image. So anyway, this is In the Wind. I'm going to play the entire track. You guys enjoy it. Maybe let me know what you think. Have a good night and stay safe. <laughs> 